Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel. As always, welcome back to the show. How you doing, Josh? I'm feeling a little subdued today, man. I mean, uh, we're on a roller coaster ride of episodes for the last few weeks, and I, we got some feedback from you last week that I'm still recoiling from. If you didn't see that episode, link in the description. Josh basically just shot down all my new, creative, excellent ideas. So, like, I guess we got to get into some more discussion-based stuff because you really want to talk about stuff, Josh. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where to go with this right now, so I'm just going to ignore you and say how excited I am for this week because of the guest we got. So this guest appeared on the A Show at one point, Garrett, and he's the one who convinced me that people in our community, they like storytelling, they like hearing about people they know because this is one of the first guys who got more, like we got Todd Rogers on our show and I thought Todd Rogers were going to break the internet and we were going to get the most downloads. This guest got more downloads than Todd Rogers, which shows me either really bad at marketing, really bad at distribution, or people want to know what the hometown guys are up to. So this guy kind of set the tone for what Passing Dimes is about and now it's great time on all shortcuts i don't like that you just introduced it as the a show just casually like that especially early in the episode this is the a show we need to make that clear but yeah please welcome our guest this week sebastian lethbridge how you doing man welcome to the show what do you got not much i'm excited to chat ball it's nice uh being able to chat some game with some guys who played coach know the game well enough yeah excited for this is that us? Because okay. last week our guest didn't even know Garrett did play. Yeah, like at least you know who I am, which is a huge start over last week. Yeah. Um, and okay, now that you're excited to talk ball, now we actually got to talk some ball. I, maybe we we haven't actually talked volleyball in a while, Josh. So maybe we'll actually get into that tonight. I don't know. We'll see. I usually make a habit of reading out what Josh tells me about the guest beforehand. This has been a bit of a habit just to introduce to people who are listening who don't know who you are. But Josh, this week he's you've learned, Josh. You gave me the full spiel, like. A full like bio like everything this week so let me read off for you seb and see if it's a little bit embarrassing on josh's part so ccaa player of the year ocaa player of the year three times ccaa medalist gold silver and bronze three times ocaa champion team canada for youth national team and fisu ken davies award winner and mr volleyball from the city of london holy that's a mouthful and like i mean congrats by the way on on all of that um, but like Thanks, Josh, seriously, like, you, like you, you felt like you needed to really lay it down like that. I laid it on thick. I, I did some research. Uh, I mean, he's accomplished so much. That's why it's great. But the ones that stand in my mind are the Ken Davies one. Cause I think that's a great award that the OVA gives and Garrett, you were also a recipient of that, but to win an award called Mr. Volleyball, like that's all time. Like that's a list you want to be on. And I think the city of London does a great job. Cause there's been a lot of great award winners. Take that one down. That's a cool name for an award. Yeah. yeah I don't know what that is. That's actually yeah, an award. Yeah. Just as yeah, the the high school city finals, they'll make like a little all star game. Uh, it's named after uh, Al Coulter, actually. So, uh, so yeah, the Al Coulter Mr. Volleyball Award. I guess he was grew up in London. So yeah. Can Can you, you remember anyone awards? else who's won that award? Like I imagine like Durden would be on that list. Yeah, I think Durden's on the list. Um, did Eric Simon win a Mr. Volleyball? I don't know if he did. Maybe you got one up on him. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think A. Rich got it. Yeah. Um, and then I'm not too sure about the year, years after me, but yeah, there's a couple. I mean, great award, cool name, but of all the awards, that's what you're most impressed with, Josh? Like, I mean, come on, there's some pretty impressive stuff on that list. So the CCAA stuff is cool, not only the player of the year, but the fact that you have all podium finishes in, in a province where, like, I think Ontario, we're used to doing well and challenging. We're not used to guys finishing their career with three medals. Right. Yeah, we're pretty fortunate to make it to the Nationals every year. Um, luck of the draw, decent teams. So, yeah, I think we did a, a pretty good job. Okay. 
Well, now that we've buttered you up a little bit, let's really get into it yeah. <laughs> because this is not supposed to be a nicey-nicey show, but I don't know. Maybe it will be. But really when we have like really high-level you know, college CCAA players, um, I, I haven't had the opportunity to do this, but I really wanted to get into this because the reality is, is – and we talked about your resume, so people listening will know what you went out there and did for Vanshaw Falcons. Um, but mm. I got to ask like – why did you decide to go to college and dominate for years instead of ever considering taking things maybe to the next level or going to what's the more competitive league, I'll say, in maybe the OUA or the yeah, U-Sport yeah. league? Yeah, well, I mean, initially my my sights were set on the OUA and CIS, I guess now U-Sport. Um but kind of the typical story of the unfocused, undisciplined, kind of got ahead of myself in grade 12, let my marks fall through, uh, planned on going McMaster, didn't really hold my end of the bargain up. So um, my club coach, Pat Johnson, said, come to Fanshawe for a year. Let's see if we can improve your skills a bit, get you better to an academic standing. And then um, if you want to make the jump, let's see if you can make the jump after one year. Um, and it was kind of tough to leave after my first year. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm sure you've heard that not just from my mouth, but, um, I really enjoyed playing for Pat to be real. Um, met a lot of good guys that were like my club teammates as well. Well, I think it was 16 guys, 10 of them were from London. So already knowing the majority of the team made it a little tougher to leave close to home. Um, a couple factors, but I just felt really at home at Fanshawe and decided to ride that one out. Yeah, that's the sense I get from there. Like London's a, a bit of a volleyball city. Like a lot of people play. Yeah. There's a lot of players that come out of there. So I can see that being the case. But I, like, are, yeah, I guess like a grades thing, like my grades weren't that, weren't always mm-hmm. that great. I kind of fudged it a little bit, but like I had schools who were like, yeah, we'll, we'll make, we'll make it happen for you. Like it, I just, it's hard for right. me to believe like somebody who's so dominant in the college league, like never got anybody coming out and being like, Hey, come make the jump like i'm thinking of a lot of teams who could have used a great setter who who, like did anybody come up it was like hey man bail now like come help us because we need you type thing yeah well i had some buddies i had a bunch of buddies in the oua even the cis um that would like i'd catch up my buddy charlie bringlow was played out west at thompson rivers i had buddies at york at ryerson all over the place so I'd, i'd chat with them on breaks um they obviously we joke about maybe playing again together on at the next level. Um, but nothing really became serious. I mean, after my first year, when I decided to stay, um, second year was different. We, we had the national host, so that was super attractive to stay. Um, my third year, we attracted a lot of retiring OUA players that wanted to finish out their fifth year. We snagged Will Otten. Um, we got Cole Jordan. Um, who else? We had both Auden brothers. Zach Albert maybe made the Zach switch. Albert, yeah, Zach Albert made the switch. So as the years went on, the, the I don't know, the hunger to potentially leave became less attractive. And um, what we were able to source to come to us, which sounds super, I don't know, super teamy. It kind of wasn't. It was a lot of guys that just enjoyed playing with each other. Um, the chips just fell our way, and we were able to get a lot of good talent into London that were seeing what we were doing um, before getting the medals. The the system stuff, people able to hear about Pat, uh, what he stood for. Uh, people just wanted to buy into that. And yeah, that's kind of what started all of this is, is those early couple of years. 
Can we talk one example though, PJ? Yeah. And the one I want to bring up is uh, many people might not know this, but you played middle in one rotation because you had so many talented outsides. And there's people yeah. in the community that were like, wow, Pat's really creative and really good at problem solving because you didn't really have a second middle. And then there's a few pessimists being like, oh, what's Pat going to invent this year so he can show off that he's such a smart coach? Right. So just tell me, what was the first conversation about you blocking middle? And like, why why was that a need on that team that year? Because you guys still did well. I think you came to the York tournament. You were beating university teams with you blocking in the middle. And no yeah. offense to you, you're not a middle blocker. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm 6'2", don't touch crazy high. Um, and I'm not used to that lateral movement as a blocker. It's it's easy going one way and having a, and a left side ball that you can time pretty decently and make a good jump on that. But trying to react to 30s, 50s, and then the double jump on pipes, like it's it's tough work. I give kudos to mids. But, um, yeah, we just were kind of lacking in the middle department um, and so strong on the pins. So it was like a formula, like how do we a, get more pins on the floor and less middles? Um, so, yeah, I played opposite our M1. Um, so at any given time, I probably had at least two front row attackers and two back row attackers running in every gap with a, with a dump. So, I mean, yeah, that was, that was by far the most fun offense I've ever been able to play with. Um, super tricky rotationally. I mean, you grow up from 14 U all the way to whatever I was second or third year playing center in one center in two, like every rotation looks the same. And then as soon as you're playing out of a different rotation, like middles, you got to be accountable for them, making sure they're in the right spot. You got four different pin guys playing in four different positions. So that was a lot, but I mean, I'd say after about a month of practice, guys were pretty dialed in and the, the offensive gaps were flowing nicely. Okay. You two guys with all the pause. Oh yeah. How great was this? How great? Yeah, it was great. Okay. I got to call you both out on a few things. Okay. It's pretty easy, Seb, to play middle when the three servers you got going back when you're in the front row are crushing it. You don't got to, you don't got to close many blocks in system when they're ripping serves back there. So it makes it a little bit easier when you only got to go outside. I'm sure you guys were stacked that year and you said, yeah, I know it seemed a bit super TV, but it wasn't like that. Come on it was slimy pat johnson going out there and getting all the london buys to come home and dominate on a super team an absolute super team we played you that year i coached george brown um and we played you that year and there's no way like it was an absolute super team this i'm talking about we were in the same league as you guys but we were not in the same league as you guys like it was a massive, <laughs> massive difference. And that's what gets me a little bit bitter about like, man, look at all these dominant players coming and playing in the same league as like teams where I'm struggling to get guys who barely played in high school. And I'm kind of like, why aren't these guys going and playing in a better league? Like what the hell is going on here? Yeah. I don't know. I think um, it was like the, the eyes were set on the bigger picture where it's like, I mean, I hate to be this guy, but like winning provincials wasn't enough for us. Like even winning, going undefeated in, in league play wasn't really enough. It's like guys chase the ring where it was like, I mean, sure, we could beat a George Brown or a Georgian or a Mohawk or take care of business that way. And we might win, I don't know, all, almost all our matches in three sets. But like I, that just did not seem attractive to anyone, which was a super cool part to be on that team. No one really cared about the undefeated season. It was like, okay, what's it look like when we go against BC one and we're against a commotion that's got five guys that are over six, five we're on one hell of an offense. It's different ball from the West, as you guys know. Um, yeah, that was kind of the thing. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. Like once we hit the national stage, we got our teeth kicked in pretty good. I mean, we made it to the finals, but like credit to Limaloo for, 
game planning? And I know you guys chatted a couple episodes ago about game planning. Do you go to your best attacker or do you go to where the defense is weak? Like their middle probably swung 800 in the national final on 25 balls, which makes sense. Like I'm, I'm six to probably not. I'm, I'm probably just exaggerated, but, um, I mean, their middle thumped us and rightly so. So, I mean, kudos to us for being able to get that far. Just, I think other teams had an opportunity to de- dethrone us, but didn't really take care of business smartly. Okay. You've convinced me a little bit, Seb, that like with your story, it sounds like, you know, you went into college, you're trying to prove yourself, you're trying to, you know, and then the second year you're hosting nationals. And then the third year, Pat goes and brings in all these beast guys. And you're like, am I really not going to play for this team? No. Like, and then you're three years in. So that's what you got. So I kind of understand, but like, is it not at all for any of these guys, the idea of being the big fish in the small pond, like, especially in the OCAA, like when you think about the, the Western teams or even the Quebec college league, like there's some good ball on a small yeah. number of teams out there. But in the OCAA, like, you know, eight games out of your 10 in the first half, you've got to be feeling good about just like running whatever you want, absolutely crushing, getting all the awards at the end of the year. Is that not play into it for all of these guys, at least some of them? Yeah, I think so. It really depends on the like the age of the team. Like the team this year, 100%, new, new cohort of guys that hadn't really dealt with high-level success. So, I mean, even going – I hate yeah, positive in the season record. Like that was a win for them. I know no one really talked about it, but last year I don't think they did too well, barely scraped in the playoffs. So, I mean, even getting to something like that, where you're making a quarterfinal as the, as the favorite, like that's a good sign. Um, so I, I think so. Some of the guys chased that, but um, I don't know. I don't know those other teams. It wasn't, it just didn't seem, I think everyone had further aspirations, whether it be national team playing professionally, um, yeah, it, didn't, it never stopped at the OCAA for any of them. Well, if Garrett's going to be sassy, I'll, I'll be a little pessimistic, but I'm just wondering how you're going to be a leader because I'm looking up, you're on the youth national team and then you go to the OCAA and believe me, I coach the OCAA. It's not all great players. There are some bottom feeders. So how do you go in the summer from playing with guys like Derek Epp, who's on our national team, Jordan Prayer, who played internationally, Shawan, Kern, Elser, Paslett, like your, uh, Dana was on that team, Pearson Shinko, like you're playing with the future senior A team in the summer and then you go to the OCAA double a and maybe you're trying to try to be a tricky setter against a middle but let's be honest the middle who played at boreal didn't have a clue so how did you like try to trick them right so how did you have your own expectations and not just shit on your teammates and be like what i used to be able to run an overload with pierce and dana now i have middles who just played like high school or like a lower level yeah like sometimes i think i would be overthinking and going to matches like i have all that technical and strategy and everything just locked into your brain and this is how you have to execute a game plan and then you play a Boreal and you run the most perfect overload, but they don't know what that is. So they both end up committing on the left side ball. And you're like, what, how do I, so like, don't get me wrong. That happened a lot. Like, and, and it still happens. I mean, I, I'm not bashing those double I think they've made strides to become a more talented league, but um, yeah, for sure. You get to play international ball. And then within two months, you're playing, like you said, Boreal and regular season, it definitely hits hits different but um then again then you just have to shift your expectations and what your goals are it's like i'm not expecting to beat boreal i'm expecting to stay safe in this match not get injured by a guy coming to the net and yeah get ready for the mohawks or the sheridans the big competition for later on that weekend or that season sorry gosh man that's such a huge pet peeve of mine thinking about like 
oh, let's be all technical, tactical, smart. Let's make this happen. And then, like, the other team has no idea what's going on. Like, honestly, I feel like a lot of the coaches and players, like, in that league specifically, like to think that they're smart and they're doing things. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to use strategy. We're going to game plan. We're going to do all this stuff. And it's really like, nobody knows what the heck's going on anyways. Like, I'm, I'm trying to teach somebody yeah. does something wrong and ends up working out for them sometimes. Like, like guy commits to the right side. It's totally the wrong move. But you said it there anyway. Like, nobody knew. Um, so, yeah, like, I... I I, that's the thing that about that shocks me about the great players' decisions to really stay in the OCAA is because week after week you're playing like you could play one good team or a couple of good teams maybe per year, but week after week you're playing a bunch of teams that are like it's is it even good practice at that point? Like it's something warm up. Like one time right. they're there when you did something right, the next time they're not when you did something wrong. It's like it's a total mixed bag. So I I mean I'm sure that was a challenge for you guys, but I was going like there's another league right across the street that you would get yeah. this a lot more for guys who want to go national team. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, and that's it. Like we use these games as practice where it'd be like, Hey, this is a great opportunity. They have a good right side. This is where you guys said a couple of weeks ago, this is where we're going to go down on C and get used to scooping back row without a block where, and then their right side would hit their first five C balls into the net or 10 feet out of bounds. They're like, can we <laughs> the game plan to try to like, this is what we're trying to work on in this game. And it's like instantly scratch where it's like, it does, you guys, game plans don't always pan out. So I don't know. It was like, that was really frustrating going into a match saying, okay, they're middle heavy. Let's get used to um, middles. Get this game. You're going to be committing. Let's see how many block touches we can get. And then our zone six can make good reads. But like, <laughs> Many times they wouldn't even go to me. Like I don't know, man. It's it's tough. Hey guys, go down on the sea ball. We're gonna practice digging. Oh eight for eight on the match, all out in the net. Hey guys, let's commit yeah. in the middle this time. They don't man, set it a single cool, time. Coolest thing. Well, it's like you guys know Peach. Peach, like, we're down on C, so middle left side. You guys should be full commit on the fifty. We don't like the setter's not gonna score in his dump. So it's like we're having at least two or three, two and a half to three blockers on a fifty and a 30 and essentially a left side ball if it's in between or out of system. So, I mean, like that stuff was fun to work on, but like if you're hoping for the other team to facilitate a drill for you, yeah, not, not so much luck. Well, it's a great problem to have. Okay. And Josh yeah. and I are both jealous sitting here going like, what the heck? We not, I've never been on a super team before. What's that like? Gosh, I want that bitter over here. We don't know what that's like. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's all great. Oh, what a challenge here to get good out of these games. It's like, yeah, come on. And, and, I mean, right. you guys got yours though, but I mean, yeah, you got, you got the hat yeah. trick of national medals, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got it done. Okay. Well, good for you. I'm incredibly bitter. I know Josh is there. He's smiling. I think he likes it, but you're, I know you're absolutely bitter. Um, okay. We got some more volleyball to talk about, but first we got to get to everybody's favorite segment. It's players and clowns of the week. So Seb, I hope you're prepped for this. We usually throw this on people and I don't know how long you had to think about it, but, um, I think I'll go first just to start things off because I don't want anybody to take mine. Not that that's probably going to happen. So let's jump into it. Player of the week. So recently, Canada announced their uh, Volleyball Canada did a press conference announcing their kind of next gen indoor teams. And one name kind of jumped out from the press conference to me that I wanted to give a special shout out to. And that's Dan Lewis. Um, he's been he played libero with the national team for a lot of years. He's an ex beach guy. He played on uh, my biological father's pro beach tour for a lot of years, was a great player there. Always gave Mark and John challenges, went to indoor, did well. Now he's been coaching with the national team for a lot of years. And I think, Josh, 
when um, Ben Josephson kind of left and that whole thing was happening, there were some thoughts, maybe is Dan Lewis going to step in here and help out? Is he going to take a step forward? No. Bringing the other guy to come in over top. Hey, Dan, you stay there. He stayed there. He's taken on the next gen team. It's just a sign that he's like, he's fully committed. He's going for it. So, I mean, good for him. I know that's probably not an easy thing to do. So, Dan, keep trucking. I'm sure yours will come soon, man. Good luck. So, player of the week, Dan Lewis. Definitely. I think that's a great one. My interactions with Dan, he's always super high energy. I think he loves working with like the, the last time I met with him, we were talking about the NEP and I was like, Oh, how was practice today? He's like breakthrough day. Guys are learning a lot, like working stuff. Like he's fired up to be in the gym. So uh, I don't, I wouldn't be shocked if he's the senior coach someday, but where he is right now, he's still fired up to get out of bed every morning and like coach volleyball and work with athletes of all ages. So yeah, he, he's in a good spot. And uh, Garrett, that was going to be my player of the week was naming the roster there. Uh, I mean, I think volleyball is in a good place that like we can look at it and we can speculate and say, oh, this guy didn't make it. This guy didn't make it. But you look at the list and kind of go, I think they got it right. But uh, I just like to congratulate Evan Flardo. So he was OUA player of the year. He's always kind of been a bubble guy for me. But now he's a, he's been on the cusp where now he made the roster. Hopefully he has a good training camp. He can get some starting time where that's a guy who's plugged away and really worked at his game. So I, I know there's like a who's who of names. And we always compliment like the, the Sam Coopers or the Jackson Youngs or the Neves and all these other outsides. I'm glad to see Evan Flardo made the list. So congratulations to Evan and everybody else who made that squad. Low hanging fruit, Josh and I. We literally had our content delivered to us <laughs> via email. <laughs> and that's our, that's our players of the week. Josh, way to recycle content there, buddy. You and me, same thing. Gosh, that's the biggest complaint about this show, isn't it? We gotta we gotta figure it out. So I mean, congrats to that whole team. It's time players sensitive. It's timely, Gary. It shows that we're not we're we're, we're timely. Yeah, we're okay, on the ball. Great. We're 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 topical. All right. So Seb, help bail us out here. Please don't tell me that was going to be uh, your player of the week too. No, 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 no. Um, player of the what is it? Player of the week? Player of the game? Player of the week? Well, wait, wait, whichever. I don't know if anybody would notice. Player. Cool player fan. Um, it's got to go to my boy Tanner Patterson, my teammate. Um, just a freak I got to play with this year. Six foot player, touching 11 8. I've seen that guy hit crazy pipes and attack angles that I've never seen before. Um, unfortunate, went down with a broken ankle in the national semi. Um, so tough to see. I've been thinking about that guy a lot. Yeah, it's a player of the game. Good dude. Congrats. Good volleyball family too, right? I think his brother just uh, earned an all-star. Yeah, yeah, Brady Patterson. Super freak athletes. They're the nicest people in the world. Yeah, that's tough to see. And touching 11-8 too. Like, holy, that's up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I hope you're doing well, Tanner. Is he coming back? Is it his last year? He's got more more time. He's got one more in him. Okay, one more. Hopefully it comes together. These dirty birds, they never leave, Garrett. They never Yeah, no. No, yeah, seriously. Take it from me. Like, you'll, I you'll say find that. your way back. Yeah, I say that. But at the same time, like, what? You're just recycling all the same guys year after year? I mean, you probably still got a year somehow. You're going to go back and do like seventh <laughs> or ninth year or something. Like, oh, gosh. Um, okay. Those are the players of the week. We got through that pretty quick. Like, pretty efficient players of the week team. So let's move right on to clowns of the week. And. Josh, I think I'm going to go first again just to keep things rolling. And often in Clown of the Week, you take the opportunity to go on a bit of a rant. And I think it's actually my turn to do that this week um, because I was doing some reflecting on the next-gen indoor and next-gen beach situation because obviously you're you're my partner in this and you're the next-gen beach coach. And we just – no, my player of the week was on the next-gen men's situation. But – 
I started to think about it. I looked into it more and realized like that team gets like people get some sort of carding, some sort of funding to train all summer to play in two competitions. Now, one of them is at home. Great. But two competitions, two Norseka competitions. Great. Good for them. When I thought about the next gen beach situation and what those guys have to go through, what's the expectation for those guys? And I don't know, Josh, but how many competitions are those guys expected to play in to get their their minimal funding? Six. So they have to play in a minimum of six international events? Yeah. So like nationals is a requirement that doesn't count towards that six. And then we obviously we encourage them to play like Van Open or Quebec has some good tournaments, OVA Grand Slam. Uh, ben Saxon's organizing something in Calgary again. So we encourage them to play domestically, not only to play in front of family and friends, but to support the events and hopefully win some prize money. But yes, they have to represent Canada at six international events. Yeah, like that is hard to do. Like you have to pay your way to all these tournaments. You got to compete against the national A teams if they want to go to that tournament or other teams if they want to go to that tournament just to get in, get your points, get your spot. You want to go to Norseka? You got to go into trials and win it. So not everybody has a chance to go. And I'm thinking about the the indoor guys. Well, they got to fight to make the team, but they just go to the tournament. They just get to go and compete at a Norseka tournament. Why is the A team not going to that tournament? Just because? Is it a lesser tournament? Like it makes no sense to me that whole situation, why we do any of that. And to compare the two, it's way harder for the beach guys, way more competition, way more times they have to compete. So clown of the week to that whole thing, the disparity between our indoor next-gen situation and beach. If I'm an athlete these days, what's the better situation for me is definitely indoors. Why would I ever play beach? I think the money thing is a serious problem, Garrett, that we need to sort out because the the finances don't just add up. I I will say indoor, there's a bit of a roadblock there, don't you think? Like if you play the same position as Brody Hoford, like they took 18 cats. There's only two tournaments. Who's going to start over Brody? So I think like if you're a cusp guy, maybe you should look at the beach because one, you get to compete a little bit more. You get to play a bit more. You want to represent Canada where some of these guys are going to be tourists. Let's be honest. They took a roster of 18 and there is a long lineup of guys to pass. So I will say that is an extremely biased beach guy uh but yeah Gary, we got to figure out the incentives a little bit because the the funding model it doesn't it doesn't work in my mind right now and i don't have a solution because like oh we just need more money well where was where's this money going to come from right but those bubble guys are the bubble teams on the beach group as well they got to compete against the top guys same thing to get into those tournaments and then they got to pay for six out of their own pocket when you get to go be a tourist when your travel is likely paid for so i i don't know what the chatter is like Seb, you've kind of been a part of that group, I think, much more than I have. So I'm not sure what the chatter is like in that group. Maybe there's some complaints and stuff that those guys have about that whole process. But compared to the beach, I just don't see any comparison right now in Canada. Okay. Well, well, I think that comes down to We've talked about this on the show a couple of times. When's the last time a guy who could play for the beach national team and indoor national team chose the beach? And I think we might have to go all the way back to like – well, Garrett, you were one of them, but Ben Saxon would be another one where I don't think Eric Lepke thought twice. I don't think Danny Demonaco thought twice. I don't think Steve Marr thought twice. Like, I think for them, it's a pretty obvious choice that indoor. And I think I think it's the indoor pro contract of guaranteed money is also like they play, play for a living. And the national team is like something you do for pride. And it's a couple months in the summer, but they they support their families. They have a mortgage because they play in Germany, Poland, Italy, like all these places. Right. Yeah. So rant, rant over. 
So, so when I solve that though, Garrett, do you want to pick up a young guy and show them the way and we can start winning Olympic medals? Well, spoiler for my topic later on, but I played a bit of rec volleyball recently, just getting back into it. I still have everything except my shoulder for some reason. So, hmm. I don't which know, is unusual because you had a pretty good arm swing. You never really had shoulder injuries. It's the opposite of what I thought it would be. I thought I'd have the cannon and be vert, like I'd be and be out of shape. Opposite. So, if you're gonna pay for my physio, I'm in. <laughs> I, I just explained to you how we the, the the beach seems to have less money than this podcast do. And your first question is, you want money? But anyways, uh, let's keep it in the same order, Garrett. I'll, I'll go next. Uh, to me, I just want to know what the rule is, and what I mean by that is, if anyone's watched a beach tournament this year, the hand calls are so hard to track. And if anyone follows Theo Brunner on Instagram, I recommend you go do it because he posted one where literally Latvia stopped playing. Like that's how bad the hands call was, and the ref didn't call it. So we post this clip, and Garrett he, he comments really nice. Uh, um, the camera angle cuts it off, but let me assure you that the rotation on the ball was majestic and beautiful, like a well-executed triple axle or perhaps a neutron star spinning on its axis. But guess what? It wasn't a lift. And then he just does the shoulder shrug. So the, the players on tour don't even know what the standard is for setting. Latvia is stopping in the middle of a rally and, and uh, USA wins that point. So the refs can't explain it. The players don't know. And this is the highest level of our sport. So what's a fan supposed to be like? Are we stopping the point? Why did we stop the point? The camera angle doesn't show it. We don't even have a clear idea where like in, in hockey when something happens, there's like 18 replays. The announcers are explaining it the whole time. Basketball, the same thing. Volleyball, literally the players can't explain it to the fans. So what chance is the casual fan getting to like watching our sport? Like this is this is bonkers. I'm so glad you brought it up, Josh. It's honestly one of the dumbest rules in our sport. Um, I don't get it. It's so stupid. Indoor and beach. Like, I don't care. Like, what a weird rule. Um, like, you know, in the NBA, they just stop calling travels. Well, yeah, like it makes sense because like you want them to play. You don't want them to be like these ticky tack rules and weirdness about how you operate. So I don't know. People complain about that, too. So maybe that I don't know. I mean, Seb, you, you were a guy, I assume, who had like super silky smooth hands and never chucked any balls. Right. Yeah. Obviously. But like. So I don't know if there's another argument to that. Like if you don't have that, you should be called, but I don't know. I'm kind of like, just let it play. Like don't stop playing. Those guys are idiots, by the way, Josh, like don't stop playing. Like let's go. I think, I think let it play. I mean, I have got pretty loose wrists and I know I naturally take the ball super deep. Like I've been called on the lift a couple of times where I'd, I know it's been in and out clean, but it's pretty unorthodox of where I'm contacting it. So, I mean, if you kind of wash that rule, it'd be pretty sweet to see how creative people can get and the kind of magic they could do with that. On the same post, the Latvian commented and said, my spin serve had less spin on it than that set. So like, this is great <laughs> stuff. Like, <laughs> right. But it's not the spin guys. It's not the spin. Spin's not an indicator. Spin's yeah. not an indicator. And here's the thing about lifts. What's the indicator of a lift? That you the same line that they always tell you. You know it, Josh. Uh caught ball is what they're looking for, aren't they? Okay, sorry, held ball. Sorry. What's held the indicator ball, of a held ball? The spin Every time this is the, the line. They say the ball comes to rest. Ball comes to rest. That's what I tell you. Well, if you take it from here. And you just move it and it never comes to rest and you throw it over here. <laughs> How's that a lift? Oh, it like, I don't, I don't get it. There's no rule in the rule book about how long it touches your skin before it's considered a lift. Like none of it makes any sense. I support your client of the week, Josh, wholeheartedly. <laughs> I mean, we need to get a ref on the show. The problem is none of them will come on. No, we can't get a single ref. 
None of them will come on. It's gonna have to be a dark screen, and we're gonna have to mumble their voice so they're they're like yeah, it's a their identity screen. is covered a little bit. But yeah, we need some explanations because if Theo Brunner doesn't know what the rule is, how are we gonna figure this out? Seb, did you ever get called on a lift later later in your career? Yeah, I got called on one this year. Like, did you just look at the guy and be like, or girl, be like, do you know who I am? Like, check my resume, buds. Because, I mean, I like one of my big things was talking up the refs, like pregame, get to know them. If there's a 50-50 call, that helps it go your way. So, I mean, like, I was a big proponent of that. Like, and at, at, at least you're just getting a good relationship and being friendly with people. So, I mean... I know a lot of refs, especially the ones in the, the like region three, the, this area. Um, and by now a couple of my friends are refing, um, and up on the stand. So I had like a friend, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name or whatever, but, uh, we don't know either. It, it, it's unclear. We don't know the rules around the refs. We don't know the rules around hands or refs. Yeah. I don't know what's, what's good. What's green line what's red line. Anyways, I, uh, I got called on one. I think I was running towards six back to the ref and I just threw one behind me. Um, probably was close. I don't know, but her, she couldn't see it anyways. Um, so I just walked up there. I don't know. It's tough. Cause I, my mind instantly goes to like, that wasn't a lift. So is this a makeup call? Or are you like changing how you want to call the rest of this match? And like, they don't like that, obviously. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it is like, is this a makeup call is my number one comment to get being called on something. Why don't they like that though? Nobody can hear what you're saying up there. So right. why don't they like that? Like if they just lean down and went, yeah, Seb, total makeup call for that other one I blew earlier. Get off my case. Yeah, I'm cool what would you do? You'd be because like, they're, they're cool. doing it. They may as well be honest about it. Right. Like, I, I mean, I can't say that because then you go and tell somebody that they said that and then it kind of blows the whole thing. Right. But like right. I would acknowledge the makeup call exists. They're not allowed to exist here. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, we need a code word. Let's let's help the refs. Let's help the refs here on this show and do something valuable. We have a few refs who listen to the show. So referees, you know who you are. We're not going to name any names, but you know who you are. What's the code word, boys? For when you're going to tell a captain that it's definitely a makeup call, but you can't say it's a makeup call. We got nothing. Sebastian. It's got to be Sebastian. <laughs> what, what are we asking refs to tell us to confirm? Do it's you want a, makeup a word call? or a phrase? Yeah. Like they, they lean in and go, because this is the line they give all the time is I'm not discussing ball handling calls. They say that all the time. So yeah, it can't yeah. be that. Because that's the one we get all the time. I'm not discussing ball handling calls. So maybe it's like they say, I don't, I don't know, boys. Like we just need a, just a, a key word, a line. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they say something they're not supposed to say. Like just a, a conspiracy word. Do you want it to be about volleyball, or can they just say rabbit's foot and like you know what that means? <laughs> rabbit's foot. Yeah, like it's an absolute code. I feel like it's got to be. It's got to be a little bit less obvious than rabbit's foot, though. That's like if a ref leans down and says rabbit's foot and somebody's listening, they're like, wait a minute. What the hell is that? <laughs> they should just ask them to fix the antenna. Yes. Ooh, that's that's a really good. Excellent one. Yeah. That is so good, Seb, because then you get a few extra seconds by the ref. You get the stall that you probably yeah, want you to change. That is so good. Okay. That's really good. The lines person's going to come crashing into your conversation as soon as you touch the antenna, though. Oh, Great. Yeah. But then the, Let the, the head ref kick him out. <laughs> yeah, like, no, no. <laughs> they blow off the lines person. Tweet, 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 tweet. That would be great. I would love seeing that. 
<laughs> yeah, like the refs are tweeting at the bench to keep them behind the line all the time. So they give you the signal and the uh, the lines person comes up. They're like, they tweet them away too. Like, no, no, back <laughs> off. Get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, refs, pass this around to all your ref friends. If you If it's a makeup call, just ask the captain to fix the antenna right there. That'll signal it. We don't need to talk about it any further. There Jesus. it is. We've solved it. See, who said that Clown of the Week didn't ever cause anything good? Nobody said that. <laughs> not me. Not me. Okay. Well, we have one more Clown of the Week to get to. So, Seb, over to you. Who are you calling out? All right. Um, I'm going to call out my boy, Eduardo Bita, for breaking Tanner's ankle. Um, pretty brutal. But, I mean... Great athlete, great player. Congrats on the MVP and the gold medal. Just hate my my boy had to get his ankle broken. Did he come under for like the people who didn't see it? Uh, was it just like a 50-50 ball at the net? Or? Yeah, I think it was like a, a super tight out-of-system ball. Um, yeah, just one of those came a bit under the net. Because Tanner touches the ceiling, he was just up way longer. and Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, he's a good competitor. It was a lot of fun, a lot of emotion. Um, I think that's pretty typical for Brazilians to play with a lot of emotion and heart with worn on their sleeves. So, um, yeah, it was one hell of a match. Shitty that had to happen. Oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but um, I did. We don't know either. Josh did it earlier, so it's okay. I don't edit okay, the show, sweet. so Josh, it's up to you. Like, if the refs aren't here to card me. Um, um, yeah, we've given – so. We played against uh, Camosun a lot. I helped out with Douglas College this year, and um, I gave a clown of the week to older guys lingering around and playing a full five years well into their mid to late 20s. So I'm not sure how that hits your ears because he's a guy who meets that criteria, and there's maybe yeah. a couple others who meet that criteria. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that's – can we include that in there or should we leave that out for now? I'm I'm cool with that. I mean, I, it's – I've been called the clown. It's not the first time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the first time anyone's got a comment for me is you're still playing. So, I mean, at least it's, it's, it's another award. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't actually calling you clown, but I mean, if you're asking for it, we can definitely do it. But um, anyway, <laughs> oh, I don't want it, but I'll take oh, it. Oh, Okay. Okay. I mean, back when we were promising people shirts, maybe you did, maybe somebody did want it, but it's not in the budget anymore. We kind of lost that. Um, so, I mean, that's it for the segment. There was one other thing I foreshadowed a bit earlier, and I wanted to talk about it because I think it's interesting. And I'm curious your perspective, Seb. So I'll tell you the bit of story. I played rec volleyball recently just kind of for fun, get out there, just t- tap in. Somebody needed extra. So I hopped in. It's very low-level play. Like, it's very low-level play. I'm dominating – without without a good shoulder like i i can't even go up there and hit but here's the thing i noticed you guys is there's some teams so there's like rules in rec volleyball right like so beach fours you like you go out there you you know you can't you can't overset which is kind of a weird there's some dumb rules but the the etiquette is you're supposed to rotate and play the different positions as you go because you have to rotate servers, so you got to do that. But there's no rule against it. It's just kind of a an etiquette thing. So what you get sometimes is teams who play the same position every time. They get their big guy in the same spot. They have two people who never hit, and all they do is just pass up and set their big guy every time to go up and pound it down on you every time. When you're playing against a team who rotates, who's there to have fun and share the game. So 
that that really pissed me off. And I wondered if there's other things like etiquette, things like that in volleyball that teams do that like piss us off like that. We've all been around volleyball a lot. Can we think of any immediately? Yeah, I hate stare downs. I know it's a part of the game, but God, is it annoying. It's like, just like after what? Um, I don't know. Like um, anything. I block like I guess like some poo cans like deserve a nice little celly. I get that. And there's energy in the match. But like it's as soon as the words start going through the net and the, I'm like, I hate to be the first one to admit it, but it's not like we're playing street basketball. It's like volleyball, not the toughest game that you can come under and throw a punch in. Like, so there just seems to be like this weird imbalance in the bravado that you see where I'm like, it for me, I instantly just like, yeah, you ruined the moment. It was a cool block, but now I just, I'm annoyed with you. Yeah. It um, is such a good point, Seb. Like you think about, let's compare, like I go up, like say I go up and I tool you and then I stare you down. Let's compare yeah. that to in a street basketball game where I go up and I, like back you down in the post, turn and physically dunk on you, yeah. knocking you over. And then I stare you down. Like which one is more appropriate for a stare down? Right. It's not the volleyball one. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's, that's my okay, that's interesting. See, I like the stare down because it's just something. It's something interesting, but I agree that there's probably something better placed. Like volleyball is a non-contact sport. So to do like an intimidation maneuver like that, it, yeah. it is a bit out of place, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. There's obviously some of it's warranted. Some of it, I'm just like, this is so weird. You look like, uh, I don't know donkey right now yeah anyways yeah i i got another one josh i don't know if you have any because you're the like volleyball snob the pet piece but like in warm-up you like if you crush one into the other team's bench like a phase that i hate that so much and like it seems like some teams do it way more than others because like as a coach especially in a tight gym you have nowhere to go where the hell are you supposed to go like they ask in the concussion protocol, nobody can run into the net. Like everybody stay off, stay off. But the coach is right there in the line of fire for a direct phase from the left sides often coming right there. So where the hell are you going to go? You're like talking to your guy. You're like doing something comes to hit you right in the head. Like we, that, that bothers me so much. I don't know. That one's pretty minor. I think. That's a real concern if you think people are doing it on purpose. I think the the first one I thought of when you brought up this topic is uh we've talked about this a few times. Picking side, I, I don't know why people get so fired up that like if you take our side, like it even happened this year in Canada West where Alberta, uh, off the record, Garrett, a lot of them would credit that SAS took side on them and they took real offense and came out fired up in that first set. It's like why does like that bench trigger you so much? That's like ooh, these guys. No, but I like that, Josh. Is that not is that not a volleyball faux pas to pick side? I like it. It's gutty. It's it adds a little bit of spice to it. That one's <laughs> See, good. It would never great. be a thing on the beach because people pick side regularly. Like that's just a common yeah. common call, right? You want the good side. But in indoors, when it really doesn't matter, I do like it too. But I agree though, Josh, you're right. Like it is a thing that pisses people off. Definitely. 
like we debated it at Mac because of like the airflow in that gym. But then we thought, oh, that's disrespectful. It's Dave's last year. Like there was all these reasons of like why we shouldn't do it. I was like, guys, it's a side of the bench. And like, do we even know the airflow thing is like true? Or is it just like a rumor we all believe? Like it's yeah. But the fact it turned into a discussion of like why we shouldn't even risk it. And it was disrespectful. I was like, we've overthought this. Like it's. I almost did it in the OCAA semi when we went to five. It was like we had we'd lost every both sets. We lost were on our home side. So I'm freaking out. We win the, the second and fourth on the far side. And I'm like, okay, we need to come out. Obviously it's to fifteen, race to eight, and then usually the match is done by then. So I'm like, <laughs> Am I about to be this guy that picks side in the fifth set of the semifinal? For and the winner of this match goes to nationals. So <laughs> we need this win. And I'm like I can't do it. I obviously I don't have the cojones for that, but that would have been cool, eh? You it's like up to you. Like you didn't want to like consult with with coach and be like, hey, coach, what am I taking here? Like you you could do it. You could have done it every time you take a coin toss up to that point. Right. So I would have taken the other. Like I guess you're saying pick my side, like home side. No, like you could have done that every coin toss you've ever taken. Like you were thinking about doing it then, but like coach doesn't tell you like, hey, take this. Or if you win the toss, yeah, do yeah. this. Like you were thinking of going against what coach said. Yeah, well, I mean, every time I'm hoping for receive, like we start in a good rotation. It's like our strongest one, setter in two or setter in, in one. Um, so I'm like, cool, I'll take receive. And most of the time, a lot of a lot of teams like to serve. There's something about having the first serve for a standing floater in the OCAA. So <laughs> Wait, teams are picking serve. I want to say I won 40 percent of the coin toss this year and oh, like almost received every time. <laughs> Because that standing server has like a 12% chance of winning the ball back. So let's just go down one nothing. is basically it, what they're saying by picking serve. Like, yeah, I don't know. It happened a lot where I'm like, lost the coin toss again. And they're like, we'll take serve. And I'm like, yes, you will. Cool. <laughs> All right. I'm Dude, taking this side. Yeah. You, you, you got side then. You definitely yeah, got to pick we'll the receive other from side. That side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they're picking yeah. serve, it's got to be fair game it's to easy. take the side that they're on <laughs> right now, one. doesn't it? Yeah, hell yeah. I would have loved that if I wasn't at home. If I was at home, if, if we weren't at home, I would have been easy. Okay, hell yeah. I want your bench and yeah, I yeah, want okay. your student section to see me walk over there right now. That would have oh been the best. But, no. That's <laughs> Is there anything we do in the actual game, like actual, like the teams do that's like a, a big, like it's, it's gutty, like, you know, don't do that. Like that's, that's kind of BS. Like, that's kind of highly frowned upon in terms of Game strategy or what we do on court. I think uh, highly frowned upon is like if, if the ball is on your side, instead of giving it to like the three ball people on the side, if you like set it on their side of the court, I don't know why that's like viewed as something that's like so disrespectful that like words happen. Like another like tough guy thing that means nothing. It's just like, yeah. instead of me rolling the ball to the side, Garrett, I set it on your side. So now you have to shag it. Like, I don't know. There's just some weird stuff that volleyball players do to try to look tough. That isn't that tough. The I, I like the delay a game, the towel wipe on the floor. That one That's very me. common, though. That's very common. Yeah, that is. Like if a team comes up and runs a Polish quick on you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, that's probably them just trying to. Right. Or like there's not many teams who've had that in their arsenal, like legitimately that they go to it, like at least like multiple times a match. 
Like it's often like a one-off, like, Hey, we're dumbing you. Like we're going to run this thing just to mess yeah. with you. Right. That, it's got it's, right? it. It's either we think we're unreal. We're going to have some fun and try some of this crazy stuff or none of this shit works. Let's try a Polish. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting slammed on the 51 and the 31. So let's just run the Polish. Like, yeah. boy, it can't go worse. <laughs> yeah. It's usually one or the other. But I feel like if you see a Polish on a team who's like thinking they're they're all that, they're yeah. that good. The other team, at least every time I've seen it, never gets pissed. Like it's never like, oh, this is not cool. Like it's always like yeah. just accepted, which is which is weird because that's probably the first thing that comes to my mind is an absolute showboaty play involved. Oh, yeah. Took the statue you guys ever run the Polish? Um... <laughs> No. No, never? Uh, we never did. We ran a oh, lot of missed opportunity. You guys were dominant. Like when when JJ my f- first year and second year, like JJ had a stint in the middle where he was touching like eleven ten or almost twelve feet. So his fifties were essentially Polish. Like, I mean, in terms of the height of the set, that's what it was. But um no. Oh, I wish. Polishes are cool. I mean, like that's like how do you get a time differential balance with only one attacker? It's like <laughs> run a Polish and hope they bite on the setter. Like that's yeah, that's a dream. I tried. Trust me. You, Gary, you played with Peach and Josh. You chatted with that a lot. Like not that easy convincing the guy that because he goes it doesn't work. And you're like, I I know, but it's cool. It looks sweet. Yeah, I couldn't even convince him to let me take more court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the heck, Pat. You did serve it in the other guy. Let me take some space. No, I feel you. You guys some years could have gone even Polish on the pipe. That would have been next level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you had some jumpers. uh, You go like fake fast tempo pipe. Then (laughs) – Stops his approach to the attack line. Then like a no approach pipe could work. (laughs) Hey, worth a try. Yeah. I can't think of many things we do like in high performance play that's like that offensive, like it is like doing a bit of an unsportsmanlike thing in rec, you know? Well, the kids today, Garrett, the one that I hate the most is uh, in nine man. If you touch the ball with like parts other than your arms, they call it body. And the referee signal is like they touch their head where I've seen kids get like packed now and the other team will sell you and they'll be like patting their head, yelling that. And I was like, I don't think you should be hitting people in the head and celebrating that. Like, that's pretty gutless to me. They don't just do that in nine man, Josh. They do that like that. That's the selling now is like for when no, somebody gets hit in the like face. 16 year boys, like somebody gets hit in the face, the, the whole bench and everybody's yelling around going like this. I don't think that's that's OK. Mm. Like that's poor form for me. Yeah. How offside is it celebrating when you pack somebody? Is it that offside? The coolest thing in the world, but it's it's terrible if you show it. In the era of concussions, I think that's that's terrible that if you're the gym's exploding because you hit somebody in the face, I think that's bad. Yeah, but it would though. The crowd would cheer. <laughs> the crowd at most gyms I played in would cheer. <laughs> I feel like the Western faithful would eat that up. They would love that. Oh, definitely now that they have the beer garden out there? Oh, are you kidding me? They would cheer if a fan got hit in the face. <laughs> <laughs> So now we're back to warm-up balls. You can't phase it into the other team's bench. You can't phase it into the crowd. The only thing acceptable is to phase it at the DJ at Mac. That's the only acceptable phase. That's that's (laughs) acceptable. That's acceptable. Also, if there's a beer garden anywhere, yeah, phase it in the beer garden 
no restriction. You hit somebody's like $8 drink out of their hand. That's bad. Come on. Especially at home. Make that money, boys. Like, let's get them buying. <laughs> the Western guys sitting in the beer garden. <laughs> we call the beer let's garden the go. splash zone and Western just phasers balls into their own beer garden. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, exactly that. Make some money. Like, they're going to go back and buy another. Like, why not? Are they just gonna not going to drink it? Then you look, then you kind of look lame. I don't know. How many gyms have that, eh? I don't think anyone in the OCAA has, and probably for good reason. Yeah. All right, Seb. Well, this is usually how this show goes, is we, we kind of lose a bit of steam at the end. Is there anything? Because there are people still listening, though. It always surprises me, and they comment and stuff like that, and they say, oh, yeah, I'm still here. So is there anything – like what's the real nugget we can take away from this? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I forgot, Josh. I can't believe I forgot to open the episode by telling you to remove your emotional backpack. I absolutely blew that. I, I absolutely blew That's that. I back. said I was going to do that, and I didn't. That's a good callback. You had your dog. emotional backpack on the entire time, <laughs> didn't you? Yes, yes. It's too late now, Garrett. It's too late. Yeah. Something we learned last last episode. If you didn't see it, link in the description. Go check it out. But uh yeah, the 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 rustlers were telling us that uh, that's what you got to do when you come into the gym. Do you have any other nuggets that we can take away, Seb? Um, nuggets of wisdom. Is that what you're after? Is really? PJ have any routines before practice? So yeah, like like they they take off the emotional backpack. So even if you just failed an exam, you come to practice. You got to be dialed in. We got work to do. Like you don't bring in your outside problems to the gym. Right. No. 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 We got a pretty. Pretty good weird way of tearing through that really quick. It's usually Volus to start off um, before a big game weekend. Um, get the blood flowing, the hate for your teammates out there. Uh, because whoever loses is carrying all the jerseys, water, med kit. Um, yeah, so Volus is pretty good. There's a lot of riding on it. Um, and everyone loves Volus. I know it's one of the first games you learn when you're playing at the, the grassroots level. So to play that when you're older is fun. But no, I mean um, – Walk into the gym every day. Be thankful for who's surrounding you. Um, being able to play the game you love, um, and being healthy doing it. It's a beautiful game, and it's nice guys like you are doing this and keeping the chats going with it. Well, that's nice of you to say. It's really a really wholesome way to end this out, and and we really we really appreciate that. Um, I don't think we deserve yeah. it. Don't think we deserve it. But uh, I can take it back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you should. I think you should take it back. It's always fun chatting about this stuff. Okay, great. Get well, over it. Nothing, nothing interesting for us to take away from Pat Johnson as a coach. I mean, I think that's just really the the full t- – oh, is that not where we're going with this? Are you skipping over the thankfulness and being in the gym with people you care about, playing a beautiful game? Like, you're just going to skip over that. You think Seth thought of that on his own? That's not a PJ. No, I just fell asleep for a few minutes there in the middle there while he was going over that. I mean, it's just very just go down on C and make them earn every point. Down on C, I really like. I really like that. Except it's harder to apply to this show than the emotional backpack one is. So don't worry about the things that can't affect you. Like Gosh, that is a tough one for this show because that is all we worry about. So we got to right. completely go 180 here. <laughs> Don't worry about the things that can affect you. That's literally all we talk about. <laughs> the what we're, ifs. We're in trouble, Seb. We're in trouble. Oh, boy. All right. Well, comment down below. 
hit that like button. Josh, we've had a lot of great support over the last couple of weeks from listeners. I don't know if they're still listening, but it's been great, uh, great to have. So if you're still listening, thank you so much. Hit that subscribe button. Five star the podcast. Does five starring the podcast help us, Josh? Do we have a lot of five stars? Yeah, I think we have a 4.9 average on over 70 reviews. So I think that's pretty good. Uh, I don't oh. know what the math is on that, but I think it helps you be like easier searchable. So if somebody clicks on sports, I think like passing times would be higher up on that. Or if they click on volleyball, we got to be near the top. I, yeah, like I don't. How are we at 4.9? Like that is that is how great. Are we not? And don't don't you dare say it's because of passing times. It's all sharp cuts. <laughs> yes, sharp cuts is the only thing keeping this alive. We have a 4.9 average on 76 reviews. I think that's that's pretty decent. I mean, Carrie Gagnon is reviewers. probably 14 of those. I'm not any of these, but Carrie Gagnon at least makes up for 14. I'm glad you brought up Carrie. That's a great. We should get him on. He's a ref. We could get him on. Again, he we can't get any refs, so we we don't know. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, well, Seb has mentioned all his friends are refing. They should be able because they're they're too young in the game to know they shouldn't do the show. That's yes. the ones we have to get. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, Seb, yes. Trick your young ref friends to who don't know any better to come on the show, and we'll just grill them about literally every rule. That's actually nice. that that's not a good sell. We need to sell it better than that, Josh. Fix the antenna. <laughs> Fix the antenna. There Fix the antenna. Oh my gosh. We need to make that a thing. Because that is so thank you for that. Thank you. If if nothing else you take away from this episode, Seb brought us Fix the Antenna. Awesome. Well, Seb, Glad thanks so that. much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. I'm yeah. sorry the uh, end of the year didn't turn out for you the way you had hoped, but you got to end the year on a high note by coming on Sharp Cuts, right? Obviously. So we appreciate your yes. thoughts and time. Hope you had a good time. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say? No, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, love chatting. Great catching up. And yeah. Well, let's end it on that. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you cool. next time.